Anybody doubt that young woman believes what she said? Not to embarrass Kinsley, but I don't, I don't want you to think that you just were impressed by talent. What you just saw was a woman who believed what she was singing and really has a desire to lead worship like that around the world, particularly Arabic countries. Today we return to our series, Putting Faith into Practice. We're learning how to live out our faith practically. Because if faith's not practical, it's not anything. We're learning to live out our faith practically by following lessons from the book of James, which I urge you to read and read and reread and reread. It takes a half a dozen or more readings before it begins to stick, doesn't it? Today's message is focused on wisdom. And the presence of godly wisdom is another test of living faith. The subtext of the book of James is, is the reality of faith in our lives. Is it there? Is it in my life? So take out your brochure that's inserted in your program. We don't just have an outline anymore. We have a brochure. See, we want to help you live out what you're hearing. You know, I wish I was just so eloquent that everything I said would stick, but I know it's not true. You'll retain a, a little bit of what's said, more of what you write, more of what you read, even more of what you work through. That's our goal. Do them all. Proverbs 4-7. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. But what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Is it knowing a lot? Having a lot of facts at hand? No, not at all. Wisdom is applying truth to life. Wisdom is, is using truth, it's using what you know that's true to guide your decision making and therefore guide your life. Wisdom's an important theme in the scripture. In the Old Testament, the words wisdom and wise appear about 300 times. 100 of those times are in the book of Proverbs alone. Now, the Old and the New Testament both make it clear that there's more than one kind of wisdom. There's the wisdom of man, which is false. There's the wisdom of God, which is true. I feel insecure, y'all are so far back. <laughs> Buddy, why don't you just stand here the whole time? So, <laughs> True wisdom is godly and spiritual. False wisdom, which a lot of us are embracing as wisdom for us, is worldly and unspiritual. 
So what kind of wisdom guides your life? Everybody is being guided by some form of wisdom. You see what I'm saying? It may actually be foolishness, but, but you're taking facts and you're living by them. That's wisdom. Wisdom is applying the facts you believe to true, are true to life. And that's how we're gonna, going to see whether our wisdom is true or false. We're going to examine the nature of wisdom according to James. First, wisdom is revealed, meaning that your wisdom is revealed through lifestyle. We're going to be in James this morning. All right, y'all, bring your Bibles. I don't mind if you had those little electronic ones. Though I really think they don't help you as much. But, I mean, (laughs) these Bibles are $15 for all the cheapskates. So it's okay if you lose it. And now they come with crosses or crowns, don't they, emblazoned on them. They're beautiful, 15 bucks right there, and they're in large print. But see, I can see. I'm really real nearsighted. This one sees distance. This one sees close. James 3.13. If you are wise and understand God's ways... Kinsley sang about knowing the ways of God, didn't she? Prove it. If you're wise and you know God, prove it. By living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. See, a truly wise person knows the nature of God. And as a result, lives a good, valuable, virtuous life that consists of service without desiring praise or recognition. True wisdom is not intellectual or informational. It's behavioral. People always display their wisdom. How often? How often, Ashley? Not a lot. How often? Always. People always. Bob, what do you think? You think that's true? You're a psychologist. You got more degrees than I could even spell. How often do people display their wisdom? Thank you. From the mouth of a child. (laughs) Let the young little ones come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. People always display their wisdom. It's revealed in how they live. What they say. What they do. So let me put this a little more simpler. We are not wiser than we act. What we show is who we are. So here's the first mirror. Do you display wisdom and reflect God's ways through humble acts of service? 
Pretty simple, isn't it? It's pretty, I mean, James is just pretty straightforward. If you're wise, you will be serving others without seeking recognition. Now, there's two kinds of wisdom. I already told you that. True wisdom, false wisdom. So how do we recognize first false wisdom? False wisdom, just put simply, is self-centered. False wisdom is the wisdom of this world. It's based on man's intellect, understanding. And when I say man, I mean man and a man or a woman's. It's, it's, it's based on human intellect, understanding, standards, and objectives. False wisdom has a humanistic view of life. Man is supreme. He's the center of the world, not God. False wisdom doesn't even recognize, hardly acknowledge at all, may even dispute God's sovereignty, which is he rules over all, his will and his truth. False wisdom deals with what a man or woman must do to take care of himself, to get ahead, to get what he wants. You say, well, that's what I think about the most. Draw your own conclusion. James 3.14. He's given examples of it. But if you're bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up with boasting and lying. Bitter jealousy is really an angry emotion. It, it resents, it doesn't just observe, it resents the accomplishments, success, and advantages of another person. It's harsh and destructive. Because, see, if you're jealous of someone, and the reason it's bitter jealousy, because here's the nature of it. You don't care about that person. You could care less about that person's welfare whoever is the object of your jealousy, in fact, you might even see that person as your adversary. Just because he or she is ahead of you in some way. Selfish ambition is the drive to achieve or attain more than someone else. Often resulting from bitter jealousy. Both of these evil emotions are expressions of competition. But you know what they're based on? Anybody know? Where's that child? (laughs) They're based on insecurity. They're based on a misunderstanding of your identity in Jesus Christ. And misunderstanding your purpose for life. See, the person who's compelled by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition doesn't trust the providence of God. The providence of God is the way God works out his sovereignty. You see, the providence is actually what happens in your life. His sovereignty is he's he's in control like the ruler. His providence is actually what occurs And you don't trust the providence of God in your life. 
Well, if you don't trust the providence of God, then you're going to have a relentless drive to do for yourself. To collect and consume all you can for yourself. And and just as James says, few people will admit they're jealous or ambitious. Not selfishly ambitious. They They may couch it in a positive way. Are bitterly jealous because those are embarrassing motivations, aren't they? They're based on insecurity, and to say, "Well, I'm jealous of you," or to say, "I'm I'm I, I, I'm driven by ambition," makes forces me to acknowledge that you're ahead of me in some area, positionally, economically, financially, socially. You see what I'm saying? To even acknowledge that I'm jealous of you, that's me saying I'm inferior to you. That's why people won't even admit that. And this, like James says, it's amazing, isn't it? James, you can tell James inspired because when I started reading this, I couldn't even understand what in the world he was talking about. I had to take a long run in the woods. And then it started, unfortunately, breaking in on me. You know what? We are mostly motivated by jealousy and ambition. And now I'm talking about even Christians. Outside the world, they're driven by nothing but jealousy and ambition. You have a few good-hearted people just in their nature. They're not many. So we'll cover up the truth by, by boasting about our achievement. You know what I'm saying? Well, why are you acting like this? Are you jealous of him? Well, no, why would I be jealous of him? Look what I've attained. Look at my degrees. Look at my achievements. Look who I am. Or by lying about my motivations. Oh, no, I only want to do my best. You see what I'm saying? I only want to do my best as long as I can do a little more than David Hardy. You see what I'm saying? I only want to do... Your best doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. Nobody. And you know what? When we're, when we're dishonest like that, we're usually dishonest with ourselves. And that prevents us from seeing ourselves. You, know, you ever gone along, rocked along pretty good, and suddenly it's like God opened a window and the light hit you and you went, Ugh, that's me? The problem is when, we're dis- when we lie about these things, when we're dishonest to ourselves, spirit- people with spiritual discernment can see it. Do you know that? Other- we think we're, hi- we're fooling everybody. People with spiritual discernment can see our motivations real clearly. And they see the insecurity that's driving our lives. The anger, the fear, the... So who has God made you to be? Do you know that? That's that's an all-important question. Who has God made me to be? Because see, if I'm all jealous, I might say, well, why can't I have talent like Joe Weehan has? Why can't I I look as good as David Hardy has? Now, I got more hair than Joe Bruno does, but... And you know what? Unfortunately, that's how we live, isn't it? 
That's how we live. Well, he has more recognition. He's, he's more athletic. Well, she's more trim than me. Well, he's more muscular than me. That has no place in a Christian's life. The meaningful question is, who has God made me to be? And how do I become the person God conceived of me to become? That's the only question that matters for us. Regardless of whether anybody else notices or whether I am admired by anyone at all. Why do we need more? How many people right now are living in a bigger house than they grew up in? Mine's about twice as big as I grew up in. We didn't think anything of a whole family sharing one bathroom. Did we? And bedrooms. And beds. But look at us now. Look at us now. Why? Bitter jealousy. Selfish ambition. I had enough room in my bed. Little twin bed. And my big brother would get in the bed with me half the time because he liked me to tell him stories at night. But why, do, why is a bigger house in a better neighborhood or a newer or more expensive car? Why does that matter? Who am I comparing myself to? You know, I realize sometimes I think, boy, I was a hick. Um, you say, well, you still are. I know, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I had an unair conditioned three-speed Maverick, three on the tree, boy. No air conditioning. I'm thinking, how in the world did I have a date in college rolling down the windows? It's 500 degrees in South Georgia, which is where I went to college. But you know what? I didn't even know that I, that I was a hick. You knew it. I see that look on your face. But you see my point? You see my point? I didn't realize that my, my car looked ridiculous. I was still driving that car when I was practicing law, wearing a wool suit, boy. <laughs> wool suit, windows rolled down, just sweating like a hog. <laughs> Lives based on false wisdom are self-centered. Existing in a world of their own personal ideas, desires, and standards. And that's the, those things are the measure of everything else. As I describe this, you start going, boy, we are far afield from God, aren't we? You know, a revealing, maybe the most revealing, but a, certainly a revealing characteristic of an unsaved person is being dominated by self. Let's continue. James 3.15. For jealousy and selfishness are not God, God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Okay, false wisdom... Is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Isn't it interesting how that relates to the three enemies of mankind? You know what they are? 
Three enemies of mankind. You know. Who knows? The world, the flesh, the devil. These relate directly to the world, the flesh, and the devil, which are the three enemies that war against our soul. Earthly wisdom is limited to this present material world. It's restricted to those things that we can discover and figure out and accomplish by ourselves. It doesn't have any place for God's spiritual truth or, or any interest in obedience. Here's a parallel. I'm, I've got some parallels in 1 Corinthians. So just put your thumb there or stick something there. Because I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians 3. And 1 Corinthians talks a lot about the wisdom of God as well. Sort of a parallel to James And at verse 18, it says, Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you're wise by the world's standards, you need to become a fool to become truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, He traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. That's Job 5.13. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and He knows they're worthless. Psalms 94.11. False wisdom is also unspiritual, meaning it's natural, it's of our flesh. It relates to fallen man, unredeemed mankind. Verse 14, I told you I will stay in 1 Corinthians. Verse 14 of chapter 2. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths of God's Spirit. You know, when you do something because God told you to, that looks counterintuitive and people cannot understand. This world can't understand, for example, real generosity, can it? Again, I'm going to use Kinsley. I hope she's not in here. I don't mean to embarrass her. But here's a young woman, talented, lovely, who wants to spend her life serving God, leading worship as a missionary. But look what she could accomplish. She's got talent, brains, beauty. She has everything this world offers. Look what she could accomplish. When I left law practice, somebody said, uh, you're, you'll be back. I said, I, I won't be back. Oh, yeah, you'll be back. You'll do that you know, church thing a little while, and you'll come back to practice in law. Never came back, never went back. Not yet. <laughs> if y'all fire me, I might be... Uh, can't receive these truths it sounds foolishness they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means you know if you're always saying people don't understand me good who do you want to understand you false wisdom is also demonic it sources satan himself Now, he's working through fallen angels, demons who rebelled with him. But Satan promises you wisdom. Did you know that? Promises you wisdom. And he's he's certain that you ought to doubt God's promises. But you ought to accept his. Because, see, what he's offering you will illuminate you. It'll exalt you. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he was telling me, about several of these rock musicians who say they sold their soul to the devil to have talent. 
Robert Johnson being one of them, another one I won't mention that's still around playing, but um, I don't even dispute that, do you? How many people to, would sell their soul to be famous, to be a celebrity, to be somebody? Satan told Eve, you know, God can't be trusted. First, first Satan made it seem that God, what God said was extreme. God said you can't eat any trees at all? Oh no, well we can eat anything but this one tree. And we'll die. You won't die. God doesn't want you eating that tree because you'll be like him. You ever had that whispered to you? Maybe not that form. Genesis 3, 1 through 5 is where I just quoted from, paraphrased from. But appealing to human arrogant self-interest, I know what's best for me. That, that, that so-called wisdom deceives us into believing Satan's lies instead of God's truth. Here's, here's some ways that it's more commonly said. It's your life. Use it however you want to. It's your body. Do with it what you please. Doesn't everybody have a right to love whomever they want to? That sounds right. But it's satanic wisdom. It's false wisdom. Sounds right at some level, doesn't it? I got a right to do what I want with my body. That means that human wisdom... False wisdom has a grip on us because it sounds right. God's wisdom on the same things. Again, 1 Corinthians, I'm flipping back and forth. I may have to stop this message and just let everybody go home, David. I'm not even, I ain't even, I'm not even halfway through. I'm about to get worked up, I'm going to tell you. Verse 18. Run from sexual sin. Name me a single show on television that teaches you to run from sexual sin. When's the last movie that came out other than some Christian one that says run from sexual sin? Uh Uh-uh. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Sexual immorality is sin against your own body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. But here's the important part. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Anybody heard that on television lately? And yet, we're thinking, oh, these two like each other, so they have sex in 15 minutes. What used to be a kiss is now spending the, life to, spending the night together. Where'd this, where'd this wisdom come from? The result of following false wisdom, in verse 16, for wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every kind of evil. See, when a person wants only what's best for him or her and will do anything and step on or over anybody in the way to get it, will hurt anyone else to fulfill desires, conflict, then, then conflict and chaos will always result. You know a troublemaker? Living by worldly wisdom. 
And let me say this. Democracy does not work when we are all selfish, self-centered people. It does not work. If every one of us say, I won't mind, give me all I can get, democracy, the, time, the, the clock is ticking. If we're not willing to sacrifice for the good of all, don't give me everything, democracy will fail. Give it a little time and we'll be Greece. You watch it. Is my life motivated by jealousy and ambition or a desire to please God? Now, you have to decide which one is motivating your life today. What's true wisdom like? Well, first of all, true wisdom is God-supplied. True wisdom comes from God. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. Verse 17 But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. That's mean it's free of containment and defilement. It'll be free of sin. If somebody tells you, here's what you ought to do, and it has a sinful uh, a quality or, or content, it's not from God. The wisdom from above is God's own divine wisdom, which He graciously gives to any of us who Trust in his son. But, but here's something we got to understand. We don't, we can't know God through human wisdom. You understand? There's nothing in me naturally that wants to deny myself to obey God. You see that? So something has to be introduced into you that changes your nature. And it's God's Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1. Y'all read all three. First three chapters. Read all three of those. That's what y'all to do this afternoon before you take your nap. And you can read, you know, 20 through 25. But look, look particularly at 21. 1 Corinthians 1, 21. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. So he reaches us through the foolishness of preaching. Because that doesn't seem sufficient enough that your whole life would be radically transformed by the foolishness of what I say or David Hardy says or J.C. says or Fenton. You know what I'm saying? That's foolishness. That doesn't make any sense. Right. It's foolishness. It's true. God gives us wisdom, His wisdom, so we know how to relate to Him, so we know how to relate to each other, so we know how to live in this world as His children. We know how to live in this world as just human beings. We just fight and snarl and scratch and get what we can. Like Fenton says, get you what you can, can what you get, and sit on the lid. That's Fenton. But see, I'm talk, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. You have to be transformed to be like Christ. You didn't bring much of that in. Well, you didn't bring any of that in with you when you were born. Romans 12, 2. 
It's been my favorite verse for a couple of years. It'll be up here. You don't have to turn there. I think it'll be up here. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, the wisdom of this world. Let God transform you. Let let God give you his wisdom by changing you into a new person, not the one you were born like, but the one you were created to become by changing the way you think. And what he's doing is he's taking your false beliefs, your lies, and he's substituting his truth. That's transformation. That's what we do in transformation prayer. All it is is somebody facilitating you to discover what lie you're believing that's misdirecting your life, and then by then God's Spirit replaces it. How's that sound? It's possible. We're doing it right now, just praying with people to facilitate them, hearing from God. I'm telling you, it's, it's miraculous to clear out old stuff. You know, I'm embarrassed what a wounded man I was when I started this church. But I'm not staying there. And if those of you that know me well know, I'm a different man. David, is that right? I'm getting there. I'll take that. I'm trying to get him to get there too. But But when we're transformed, then we learn to know God's will. You know, you're saying, well, I don't know God's will. Well, are you living by human wisdom or God's wisdom? Because if you're living by human wisdom... You don't have any way of knowing God's will. You wouldn't recognize it when it arrived because it would look ridiculous. Because it would be counterintuitive to everything you think as a human being. Then you'll know God's will for you. And you know what? It'll be good and pleasing and it'll be perfect. But it won't be pleasing or perfect or even good until your thinking's changed. It'll be foolish and ridiculous. True wisdom is skill in godly living. All of us know more biblical truth than we follow. Is that right? Is that true? Why don't we follow it? Everybody in this room knows more biblical truth than he or she follows. Why? There's only one reason. I told you that wisdom is, put, is putting truth into practice, right? Right? So what you're lacking is wisdom. There's too much human, earthly, unspiritual wisdom guiding your life. When you have God's wisdom, you'll know that God's truth is the only truth. The only truth. Well, I know what God says, but I got to do this. You ever thought that? I know God promises this, but he's not moving fast enough, so i got to get my hands out there and do something myself. True wisdom, the wisdom from above, is not a matter of how much we know. It's actually a matter of how much we love, trust, and obey God because we know him experientially. 1 Corinthians 2.15 
Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. This world won't understand you, in other words. For who knows the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. For we have the mind of Christ. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? What you think, Anna? The mind of Christ. And then James continues to describe true godly wisdom at verse 17. Continue in 17. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to, li- to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. How many of those apply to you? Peace-loving, a truly wise person, promotes harmony. If there's someone who creates conflict and division in their selfish desire to be in control, to be prominent, they are not wise. It's gentle. You know why it's gentle? Because it values people. So it's careful not to hurt people needlessly, people who are made in the image of God, even when that person is suffering himself. It's willing to yield to others without resentment. See, it's compliant. It's cooperative. It allows other people to lead, other people to get the credit. Because the reward of God, not the recognition of other people, is what's most important. It's full of mercy. Because you know what? It evidences saving faith. And the saved person understands he's a recipient of mercy. Undeserved mercy. And that his life is being transformed or her life is being transformed by by grace. So that person is willing to forgive. Even when intentionally wronged. It's full of the fruit of good deeds. and doing It means doing good works. Because a truly wise person understands that selfless service, that giving away generously is the best use of a life. It shows no favoritism. It treats everyone equally with impartiality. You, you, it, James has already said that basically in chapter 2. Because it recognizes the dignity of every person. Do you recognize the dignity of every person? That every person matters to God. If you see that, you won't see race, ethnicity. You won't have people above and below. It's always sincere, which means without hypocrisy or dishonesty or deception. And then the result is seen in verse 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. If you possess godly wisdom, you will be a peacemaker who produces personal righteousness and encourages righteousness in other people. As James continually emphasizes, the person who professes to be a Christian must prove it by his or her life. And a true believer will possess God's own wisdom. Are you pure, peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, doing good deeds, 
without favoritism and always sincere? Are you planting peace and reaping righteousness? You know, James 1, 5, we looked at when we started this series, says if you need wisdom, ask God. And he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for waiting so long to ask. This week's soul training is spend some time in the book of wisdom. Read one chapter of Proverbs every day. It's 31 chapters. And then read it over again. And I will promise you, God will teach you his wisdom. Father, enable us to be a wise people. Not wisdom of our own kind, but wisdom of your kind. May we be a people, Lord, who follow after you instead of submitting to our own ideas, our own preferences, our own opinions and ambitions. In your son's name we pray. Amen. There'll be counselors here that would, be, would love to pray with you or talk with you about this issue in your life.